Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Beloved, thanks for joining us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. John Russell here, the host, my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman, trying to hurry up and get his grass cut because it's finally going to rain in South Louisiana. <laughs> yes, and if you don't get it cut, then it becomes very swampy. I remember, because if you don't catch the window, boy, it could be two weeks we got another one. As you know, we have been talking through the topic of suffering for the past, I guess, three months or so. Mm. And we've discussed Jesus and Paul and Peter, Joseph, and the last couple episodes we talked about Mary. And Frank, we're finally getting to where you wanted to get to. We're going to start today mm. by talking about Job. And honestly, my friend, as I started preparing for this, there is so much to say. I'm not really sure how long we're going to be here. No. <laughs> so this and is a special book to you, isn't it? It's very profound, John. It's so honest. It's real. There's so many dynamic aspects to it. We get a glimpse into the unseen world with the enemy and his workings. We get a tremendous glimpse into the character and greatness of God and the goodness of God. And we get a, a real profound look and a sad look at humanity's response to the rest of humanity that's suffering. Job's friends, they start off really well, but they end up not being such good friends. And then, of course, just the gut-wrenching that can take place in the soul of someone who goes through deep, deep wounding. And John, I, I think this is such a great book. We'll never be able to you know, dive into the depths of it, but a week or two, we skim the surface. But it's a great book for those who are going through it and one of the things when people go through dark valleys is they can feel like they're the only one. And that's when the enemy can pick you off. And we have to realize this is the first book written in the Bible. And it's almost like God is saying, this is the introductory chapter. This is the forward. This sets the stage for the rest of it. This is what life's going to be like in a fallen world. Now, Genesis explains why and begins the plan of redemption uh, that God's going to bring about to set it all right again. So, but in the interim, <laughs> suffer hardship as a good soldier, as Paul said. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you know, Frank, everybody, when they think about Job, they talk about Job, you hear things like, well, the patience of Job, the struggles of Job. And as you've alluded, we're going to see suffering and patience and struggles. In fact, as I thought about it today, when I was out riding my bicycle, I thought, well, if they ever made a movie called Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? I think Job would be on the poster. There you go. But 
there's more than just the dark side to Job, isn't oh, there? I mean, tremendous. there's a revelation at the end that just still knocks my socks off. So tell us a little bit about that revelation. We'll get to that in a while, but why is Job more than just suffering? Well, John, you're asking me to do something very difficult to put something in a nutshell. But basically, you know, Job finally gets to the point where he's seeking some answers. And that's what all of us do. Probably the most often asked question on the lips of humanity is why? Why is this happening? And you know what's crazy, John? Job never gets his answer. That's right. There's a rearranging of letters. It's still a three-letter word, but the answer is who? And you say, what do you mean by that? Well, he finds God in a way he never knew him. And you know what? We find in the book, he not so much asking why anymore. It's almost like knowing who was enough, even if why was never explained. Yeah, That's something, John. That's, that's something I think every one of us can hang our hat on. Finding God in a way we never knew him so that we have a supply to be able to not only get back up, but stand and walk. And that's really what Job is all about. Yeah, it's uh, honestly, it's disturbing to me that uh, so many times we don't get an answer as to why. It's almost like, well, just take my hand and let's walk. You'll see in the end. You know, as we saw last time we talked about Mary, Frank, it was 33 years mm. before she watched her son ascend up into heaven. And she was praying there with all the disciples. 33 years before mm. things finally began to click in and mm. make sense. And you jokingly commented that, you know, why does God have to take so long? Well, Job's book ends without ever having an answer this side of heaven. Yeah. And that's just the way it's going to be, unfortunately. But one of the things I don't want our listeners to get a picture of, my friend, is that we've talked about uh, Jesus. We've talked about Paul, Peter, Joseph, Mary. They all had tremendous suffering. But great suffering isn't necessary for God to show up on our behalf. He's not only in with us, Frank. He's more than that. He's in us. And mm -hmm. so whatever we feel, he feels too. Wherever mm -hmm. we walk, whatever runs through our mind, he's right there in us, experiencing it all. And so he's not right there next to us, patting us on the head, saying, bless your heart. He is, like Psalm 56 tells us, He's keeping written track of every single one of my sorrows. He's collecting every tear in a bottle. Hmm. He's never going to fail me, Deuteronomy 31 promises. He's never going to abandon me. So, Frank, this is not the God who stands aloof and says, okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of a support and encouragement now. No, he's hmm. right there tenderly shepherding, shepherding us through us all. And it doesn't matter what the magnitude of our suffering or our disappointment happens to be. He's right there in us, experiencing everything we're experiencing, and then speaking his life and his truth through the messages in our brain 
so that his life resonates in our life and we can continue to walk, as you said earlier, through this valley. Absolutely, John. There's so many passages like in Isaiah where deep waters, but I will hold you up. You go through the fire, but I will not allow you to be consumed. I think of the passage where he says in Isaiah, a bruised reed he will not cast off, a dimly burning wick he will not snuff out. I mean, he's in it with us for the long haul. And I think, John, that's one of the things that I'm so glad you brought this up. We have to stress this to people. It's very easy when you're suffering to see only the suffering because it can feel so bad and hurt so bad. But we have to remember that because God is God and we are his child, whatever we're going through, it's not the end of the story. He is the director of our story. He's going to write a different ending. And it's going to end gloriously. You brought up Psalm 56, a beautiful, beautiful psalm. We actually did a chapter in our book, Finding God in the Gray, on that psalm. It was fascinating, John, but the word bottle is actually wineskins. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't translate it that way. Because, you know, a wineskin, you don't put old wine, you have to put new wine. So whenever you have a wineskin, it's always a symbol of new wine. And whenever you have new wine, new wine in both the old and new covenant is new life. So what he's saying is, I'm going to take your tears, which are there because of death. And I don't mean physical death, but the death experience of a fallen world. We're going to put them in my wineskins, new wineskins. And when the, it's time, that wine, that new wine, the new life is going to be that with which I write, as he goes on to say in the song, your name, your story. John, that's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, there's no such thing with God of wasted sorrow. Uh, he's going to transform all of it. It's beautiful. That's right. And you know, you said just now the word all of it, that word all appears twice in that single verse I read from Psalm 56. Wow. You keep track of all my sorrows, not just the big ones. Mm. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. When I think about that word all, Frank, it covers everything. The minor inconveniences, like the stain on our pants, the heavy traffic, the flat tire, the fact that it started raining on my bicycle ride this morning, the minor inconveniences. Guess what? If that frustrates you or disappoints you or you know, sets you aside some way, Father's right there. He's got that. Mm -hmm. And then from those little tiny minor inconveniences all the way up to the most devastating things we can imagine, you know, the death of a loved one, a debilitating illness, you know, chronic pain. Like our friends just last week, the loss of everything they owned in a fire. And then when your spouse does to you what they vowed they'd never do to you, the heartbreak mm. that comes from that. Frank, his promise of all covers the entire spectrum. We don't have to pick and choose our struggles, expect God to show up. We can expect God to show up in every single one of them. 
Mm. Yeah, John, you know, I think sometimes we we quote scripture rather glibly <laughs> without just stopping and going, oh my goodness. The fact that God, the Son, became man, fully man, totally man, to live in the world as man means he got to experience all of that frustration, loss, hurt, betrayal that you've just been talking about. And that's huge because he becomes our sympathetic high priest. You know, we throw that phrase out and we sometimes don't ponder it. John, by becoming man, God knows what it's like to be betrayed. God knows what it's like to be tempted. You know, God could never know what it was like to be tempted because James says he can't be tempted. But as man, he could. He could be betrayed by Judas. And I believe this. We beautify the crucifixion. We clean it up. But when I study history, they strip those people naked. And he had to hang there naked. Uh, John, that's sexual abuse. Shame. He knows what it's like. And so he is the sympathetic high priest. We might sit here and think, nobody gets me and what I've been through. And yeah, he does. He gets you. He knows. He understands. And he now can relate to you in a way that he never could as God, because he never knew what it was like to be man. But now he is. That's a, the wonder of the incarnation. It's amazing. And it's so encouraging to us because God isn't way up there only. Mm -hmm. He's walked in my shoes. He's hit his thumb with the hammer. <laughs> you, know, you know, he's just lived. He's just lived. And he has mm. faced every struggle that we have faced. And it's amazing, Frank. There's another thought that we need to bring up before we jump into the, the book of Job. We're talking about how our Father's with us, in us, no matter what the circumstances we might face. But there's another truth that goes along with that. And we'll see that in Job chapter 1, that he's in the control of all of our circumstances. He's the one, we'll see, who parts the hedge around Job. He's the one who lets the enemy come in and do what he does. And that's the same with us, my friend. When we struggle, everything from thumb hit with a hammer to the most devastating life experience we can imagine, our father has parted the hedge and he's allowed that mm. for a season, for a reason. And Frank, this can be difficult for a lot of people to swallow, that father is actually allowing this to happen in our lives. Mm. Yeah, we have to be very careful. God doesn't cause evil. We know that. We know that he doesn't tempt anyone with evil. We know that. But we have to realize that he is sovereign. He is on a throne and he allows things to happen. And a lot of people don't want to admit that, but it comes with good intention. The enemy comes to destroy. God may look at what the enemy's doing, knows what the enemy is going to do, and says, boy, that's exactly what's needed. A, a great example would be the Apostle Paul. 
Only he had that great revelation taken up into heaven, saw things that are not lawful to see. I mean, do you realize how prideful you, a man could get? Yep, been to heaven. Can't tell you about it, but I saw it, you know? <laughs> and so God allows this messenger of Satan to come into Paul's life to keep him humble. And Paul prayed, take it away, take it away, take it away. And, and I believe that's not just three times. I think it's a Greek idiom. And it means over and over and over. When you're hurting, you don't stop praying. That's for <laughs> until, sure. Until God says to. And then that's when God revealed, you're going to keep this one, son. And here's the interesting thought I've had, John. I bet there were a lot of believers praying for God to take that thorn away. And they don't even realize they're praying against God's will at that point. Because God's will was for him to have that thorn because it accomplished good in Paul's life. So, you know, a lot of times we're praying for healing and we could actually be praying against the will of God. That's something I think we really need to ponder sometimes. And that's why I take great comfort in Romans 8, even when we don't know how to pray. That's right. Boy, the Holy Spirit is praying perfectly because he's God. He does. And you know, Father, I think he's got to look down at us and and laugh and say, well, there's old John praying for the same old thing again. Bless his heart. <laughs> he means so well. God's a I, southerner. Try <laughs> yeah. God's a southerner. Bless his heart. He means so well. But you know, Frank, we're laughing about this, but this is so important to understand because there are so many of our sisters and brothers in the body of Christ who are involved with segments of Christianity where they believe that suffering and pain is it's not intended for God's children. Uh, I look at, you know, Psalm 16, that you won't allow your Holy One to see corruption. Well, that's a messianic promise. Right. But many, many years ago, when Terry and I were just married, we got involved in a church where this was kind of the, the theme of everything mm -hmm. they talked about. And if you were sick or you were suffering, or in my case, if I had tremendous hay fever, it's because the devil stole my healing. And I didn't mm. have enough faith. And Frank, mm. I still remember to this day how devastated I was mm. when they told God's healing you now. And I kept right on sneezing. Mm. And I said, well, the devil just stole your healing. Ah, not only is it far from the truth, Frank, but this is destructive yes, to the faith is. of so many people because it paints a picture of our God and our relationship with him that is totally wrong. No wonder so many people make shipwrecks of their faith when they believe stuff like this. And I tell you, I want to believe it. I really do. But my friend, it's not true. And unless we walk in the truth, the father willingly parts the hedge and lets in whatever he lets in and experiences it all with us and ministers his life in us and to us at that time. Unless we embrace that, we are just going to have a miserable time with living in a fallen world. Tribulation will eat our lunches. Mm. John, it's really a sad thing because I have seen people who have been, I call it spiritually abused. Jesus said, faith of a mustard seed. And I know you've seen mustard seeds being <laughs> in the agriculture background that you have in a PhD. And again, Jesus wasn't necessarily saying a mustard seed. He was saying little teeny tiny. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't 
But if you've got faith smaller than a mustard seed, you got a problem. No, no, no. He was just saying the issue isn't great faith. It's a little tiny, tiny bit of faith in a great big God. And it is such a slander against the goodness of God to teach people that he's there saying, okay, trust a little more, trust a little, I'll heal you if you just trust a little more. That is an ogre. That is not a father God. When you portray him that way, that is a slanderous, slanderous charge against the living God. Amen. And, and not, that's the other thing, John. It doesn't just minister shame and bondage to people. It is idolatry because that is not the God of the Bible. Yeah. My friend, the more I live, the more I see that our father wheels suffering as a master craftsman wields a tool. And he uses it to shape us and stretch us, just like he did with Jesus. Remember, we talked about that when we talked about Jesus. He uses that tool masterfully to shape us and stretch us so we'll be better suited to fulfill the divine purposes he has for our life. And we're going to see that as we go through Job, that the suffering has a purpose. We won't answer why, but we will see what happened. And that's kind of the wrap-up that I've got on Job today, my friend. <laughs> what else you got for us? Well, I think you brought that up. I think we need to give that verse again for anybody who never heard previous podcasts from Hebrews 5, that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And obedience, terrible translation, hupa kuo, hupa under a kuo to listen. Obedience is not wrote conformity to an external standard. That's a terrible idea. Obedience is listening to the voice of God so that you can place yourself under that voice because you know it is a good and loving voice. And that's what Jesus learned to do as a man. And that's the example for all of us. We all learn to listen to the voice of God through the things that we suffer. It's just, John, that, that transforms the suffering into something beautiful. And that, again, is consistent with the character of God. He takes evil and brings good out of it. I would like to do one thing, John, before we go. Sure, go ahead. Wrap uh, us up, my friend. We're going to be taking a very cursory look at the book of Job a week or two. But there is a gentleman that we found, and I think it'd be a good idea to plug him for our listeners. He did a study of Job on his radio ministry for a year, and it is one of the best expositions I've ever heard of the book of Job. His name is Stephen Davy, and his ministry is called Wisdom Online, and our listeners can go to that and click the podcast on Job, and just be ministered to. Again, one of the best expositions, very honest, very real, very practical, and just full of truth. He did a masterful job. Amen. I know he has ministered his words, his messages have ministered greatly to you. It's not often, as you told me, that a pastor such as you finds a pastor 
You know, the pastor is always the pastor, but pastors need pastors. Oh, boy. He has, in many ways, filled that role for you. So thanks for sharing that with our listeners. That's wisdomonline.org, Stephen Davey. And uh, he's from North Carolina. So he'll know what bless your heart means. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Okay, friends, you've been listening to Frank and John on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Please check out our new website. It's kind of all new pictures and a new look, clean and crisp. OurResoluteHope.com is where you'll find us. Lots of articles and ebooks and newsletters and books there, all centered on the incredible truth that no matter what you're facing in life, which valley of the shadow of death you're in, these materials are, are designed, prayerfully designed, to lead you to Jesus Christ, who is your Lord, your Savior, and your very life. So turn to him. Check us out on our social media platforms. You'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, on our YouTube channel. And again, as always, it never gets old. We want to close with the same reminder from Hebrews chapter 6, that no matter what we're facing, whether it's a truncated bicycle ride, a torn dress, or a devastating loss or betrayal, We have a hope as an anchor for our soul. We're not going to flip back and forth with the currents. We are anchored like a barnacle on a rock. And that hope is Jesus Christ, the living hope, an immovable hope. So today and always, choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.